Hello and welcome to Running the Race Podcast, a pastoral perspective on living the Christian life in our day. This podcast is a ministry of First Baptist Church of Gonzales, Louisiana. To learn more about who we are and what we believe, we ask you to head over to our website, fbcg.net, where you can listen to more episodes, check out our pastor's blog, or use some of the other great resources that we have available over at our site. Today, Alex and I talk about longing. We begin by defining what longing is and talk about why it's so universal to the human condition. We then give a list of examples of both material and non-material things that people tend to long for. Then we conclude with a discussion of what longing ultimately points us to and how Christians can leverage longing in the human condition to represent Christ. This is Alex Ray here with uh, Pastor Jared Lamberth at FBC Gonzalez. And Jared, we're, we're talking about a really interesting topic uh, today, one that I've been looking forward to. And, and as I was thinking about how we were going to kind of walk through this idea of longing for more, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the idea of hope. And today we're talking about this idea of longing. And to mm. set the stage for today, I was thinking about how, you know, we're in saints country. <laughs> it always comes back to this for you it and does, I. It does. <laughs> and, you know, Drew Brees recently retired, and, and there were lots of tears that were shed over that. And, you know, he's a favorite in Louisiana. And uh, we look at his history. He was, you know, a second-round pick by the Chargers. Uh, he went on to have an incredible career uh, with the Saints, uh, well, certainly uh, being in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he holds all, all sorts of records. You know, he's, he's number two in touchdown passes. He's got the most passes in a season. He's got the most career passing yards. And when I think about Drew Brees and I think about the, being the greatest of all time, I think about Tom Brady. <laughs> and Tom Brady, uh, you know, he had seven uh, Super Bowl wins. Uh, he uh, used to call him the Thanos of football, but now he got an extra ring. And, um, and last year he won uh, with Tampa. And, and, but I was thinking back in 2005 when he was still with the Patriots, uh, he won his third Super Bowl in four years, which is just crazy. Just but yeah. uh, after that third Super Bowl win, he was uh, interviewed uh, by a reporter from 60 Minutes. And this reporter, Steve Croft, asked him a really interesting question. He said, he said, this whole experience, this whole upward trajectory, what have you learned about yourself? What kind of effect did it have on you? And this is after, and so this again, after Brady's third win in four years. And he said this, and this is what Brady said. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. I think it's got to be more than this. I mean, it can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? Wow. And then Steve Croft, the reporter, says, what's the answer? And Brady just looked at him and says, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. And so I look at that. I'm like, wow, this is a guy who is just living the dream, you know, in, 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 that, in that sense. And, and he's saying it's still not enough. Right. There's still, there's still this this existential angst of longing for more that he's still not fulfilled. Where does this overall sense of longing for more come from? You know, we, I think we all deal with it. You know, we're not all Tom Brady or Drew Brees or whoever else. But we, I think all of us have dealt with this issue of we're, we're longing for something more than what's currently here. Especially, especially in a COVID-19 world. Sure. I think that's very common. We see that with athletes. We see it with uh, successful people in, in all different walks and fields. I was just recently listening to a podcast about Teddy Roosevelt. 
and it was kind of like that. He was the youngest youngest president taking office at, at that time. Uh, when he finished his uh, term as president, it was like he had his whole life ahead of him still. Mm-hmm. What, what do you do now? Right. And um, I, I think we see that in big ways like that. I think we see it in, even in small ways. I was thinking the other day about, I think it's a Dr. Pepper commercial where there's a young man who, you know, he's going out to take the world by the storm. And every time he shakes someone, you know, he's got a job offer or a, you know, uh, buys a car or whatever. And every, every hand that he shakes, he holds onto it and says, and mm-hmm. you know, what else can I get? What, what more is there for me? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so in big ways and small ways, we see people longing for more. They want, want more that, and it's, it's not always just a, what more can I get, but what else is there? Right. Right. And I think there's a number of different ways that this plays out. Um, and in this idea we're longing for something more that maybe we might could say there's different types of, of longing and that, and if we might, as we think through some of these, um, the first one I think that we can kind of talk through is that there's this material longing that, mm. and by that we might say that, you know, there, there's this phrase, I don't know where it came from, you know, he, he who dies with the most toys wins. Right. Um, and so this idea that if we accumulate enough material things or wealth or toys or cars or whatever it happens to be, if we get those things and if we get enough of those things, then we'll be happy. And and I think back to uh, the preacher in Ecclesiastes chapter two, where he he said he basically did all that. Uh, In Ecclesiastes two, he, he has all this money. He, he builds houses, he plants fields, he plants gardens and parks, whatever, I mean, whatever he wants, he, he gets it. But then he said in chapter two, and, and he said it was just chasing after the wind. that it, it wasn't doing what we thought it might do. Right. And, uh, you know, when you think about that with our own lives, you know, you know, we get a new car, but, and it smells great. <laughs> but then, new car smell. but the new car smell. But then it goes it goes away after a while. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's an air freshener you can buy that called like the <laughs> new car smell. It smells like really bad new car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, new things are quickly outdated. Like there's like a new iPhone every couple months now. It seems like you know everything gets outdated. Everything becomes obsolete. The you know these things get broken or lost. You know the, these things just don't seem to last. One of the one of the themes I think we're going to see as we unpack these a little bit is having the thing that you long for doesn't change the longing right. necessarily. And so, you you know, you want the RV and so you get it, but then you just, you know, there was that one that had one more bunk or the outside kitchen or the upgraded tow package or whatever it is. And there's right. always a little more that you might have. Um, and that can be tough. So you, the longing still exists, even though you have the thing that you want, or the longing just shifts to some other category. And it, suddenly we have this dissatisfaction with, with our life or what we have in some other way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it seems to be a very common, uh, part of the human condition that right. we're always, this longing is always engaged in something. Right. And, and so we think about you know, there's material longing, uh, that there's also a longing for more when it comes to our vocation with our job, um, that, you know, we think, okay, well, if I, if I just got that promotion, then I would be satisfied. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be in the right tax bracket. I would be, uh, I would have the right amount of authority or responsibility. Uh, but then you get it. And then it turns out that, it gives us a lot more than what we didn't want. Like maybe there's more stress involved. Maybe right. uh, maybe there's more it's less time with the family because we're spending more time at work. Um, you know, the the preacher of Ecclesiastes chapter six verse seven it says that all the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. And so again, you know, this is this idea that 
you know, we spend all this time, but yet in our job, and yet we're not satisfied. And then, and, and he even says elsewhere, uh, back in chapter two, uh, he, he said that um, we spend so much time getting everything that we've got, but yet we don't know what's going to happen to it after we're not here anymore. Like we're spending all this time and all this energy getting all this this money and these nice houses or whatever it happens to be, and yet the second that we die. Who knows what's going to happen with to that stuff? And I, and I saw an article one time uh, in Time uh, Money uh, article. It said that um, there was seventy. They, there was a study group that that did a, um, a survey, and um, and they, they found that seventy percent of wealthy families lose their wealth by the second generation. Seventy percent of families of wealthy families lose their wealth by the second generation, and by the third generation, it jumped to ninety percent. And so you have these these men and women who are working to build this this legacy, which is a, which is a very nice goal. I mean, as far as wanting to provide for their family, sure. and they spend all this time building this this massive amount of wealth, and then by the time we get to the grandkids, ninety percent of it, it it's gone. I think beauty is another one, another way of longing that we're longing uh, for more when it comes to uh, beauty or physical appearance. It's no secret that as you get older. Your, your your appearance changes, uh, maybe in <laughs> in some discouraging ways, right? <laughs> and um, but I I, I thought of uh, something that the actress uh, Joan Collins uh, once said. She said, "The problem with beauty is that it's like being born rich and getting poorer." I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it, and a very apt way to, to discuss uh, beauty because you know looks change, um, um, and it just doesn't. It's another one of those things that's just it's. A transient it, it, yeah. it's not stable it's not well straight fixed. out of proverbs right it's it, it's fleeting beauty's fleeting charm is deceptive beauty's fleeting right it, it doesn't last right and um certainly i mean it, we could pick this apart and say well there there are kinds of beauty that are that are more than physical appearance but mm-hmm. for the for the sake of you know what we're talking about it's it's a longing to be beautiful it's a longing to be with those who are beautiful and I think it says a lot when we when we put all our stock in the appearance of something, even if it's not our personal appearance, but um, certainly more than just. I, I think we think of beauty, we think of you know the young pretty girl, but um, it certainly can be a lot more than that. Right, absolutely. And so that, and when you think about other uh, areas, to move on to some other one that um, we really spend a lot of time in each one of these, but to think about another one is the idea of fame. That attention, uh, getting sure. getting people to notice us, and this is really, this is really a big one when it comes to today's teenagers. I'm not trying to pick on them at all, but it, it's very characteristic of uh, Generation Z, where you know it used to be the case where when when you had people who were polled in their younger years on what they wanted to do when they grew up, it was you know stuff like police officer, astronaut, firefighter, all those sort of uh, very admirable jobs, and now it's more and more the case that when you ask a, a young teenager what they want to do when they grow up, it's very much something like a YouTube star or some sort of celebrity um, uh, or something of that nature. And I wonder if there's something to be said about that when when we think about, you know, we all, we all long for attention. That's not something that's only uh, um, for teenagers. Sure. But it does say something about the fact that there's this emphasis on if, maybe what's underscoring this, if people notice me, if people know my name, then I mean something. Mm Mm-hmm. Then, I I, then so. I'm worthy. And, um, and I remember uh, Taylor Swift said something about that um, when she won her, when, I think it was like a Grammy or something like that. She talked about how she wished she had had someone to celebrate this with. And, you know, she's known by wow. millions and millions of people like that as far as they know her name, but they don't truly know her. Like she, she's just this, this 
celebrity figure that's on top of the world, but nobody really knows her. Knows her. There's yeah. this massive disconnect there. Or you go back to, I uh, remember an example you used one time that was, uh, you know, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong on the social media, you know, I'm show, I'm showing my age and disinterest <laughs> in things right now, but, uh, you know, you put, you put up your pictures on the gram, right? You put it, put up your pictures and it doesn't get enough likes. So you just take the thing down. Yep. It's mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. Was there something there that you wanted to share with the world? Or if it's not popular enough, you have to delete it because it's an embarrassment now. You know? Yeah, it was some article. I want to say it was like Washington Post or one of those one of those publications from a couple of years ago. They they were a thirteen year old girl like on the eve of her birthday. They're asking her what you know what it's like to be this age and what it's like to live and it was called like, like what 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 it's like to live in the area or the era of likes and longings or something along those mm-hmm. lines. And and uh, she, she said that she's like, yeah, it it's. If you don't, if you don't get enough likes, then you take it down after, and it's like there's a certain percentage, you know, you have X amount of followers, therefore you should have uh, this, uh, this many likes and, and people would, would comment, um, on the, on the post just to get a, to get a reply back or like the picture to get a reply back. It's very manipulative almost in a sense. And when you think about the, the schematics that go behind that, but, um, yeah, it's, it's very driven by this idea that if if people know my name, if they like my photo, and let, let's remind ourselves all that it takes to quote-unquote like a photo, they should tap their finger twice on the screen. If I get my um, my sense of worth and well-being from this, then it's, it's, it's going to be really bad for us. And so we have this idea of, uh, that we, we want affection. We also want to be remembered as well. And this is, this is something that I think isn't, I don't know that it's the best course for us to take because in the grand scheme of things, there are, what are the chances that, that someone is going to remember you 50 years from now? And I don't, I don't mean that in, in an overtly negative way. I'm just saying in a realistic way. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's like, for example, we talked about, um, uh, the pixel guy last time, you know, right. when we did his last episode. Here's another, another computer one for you. I know you like computers. Um, you know, if you have a, a smartphone or a tablet, or if you ever use the internet, um, have you ever heard of a guy named Dennis Ritchie? Boy, I want to say yes. <laughs> well, but Dennis no. Ritchie was the guy who co-invented the Unix operating system that it all runs on. That the entire reason you're able to use your smartphone or your tablet, I'm able to use that or use the internet. It's it primarily because of Dennis Ritchie. I have no idea what he looks like. I've never <laughs> seen a picture of him. I couldn't pick him out, uh, pick him up out of a, out of a crowd. But yet he had done this incredible invention. I have no idea who this man is. Yeah, I just know his name. I know what he did. Right. And so you know we have um, all these these ideas of wanting to be famous, wanting to be remembered, and yet when we look look at the course of human history, it just doesn't. Uh, doesn't doesn't go doesn't go well. An- another quick example: just this past Monday was uh, on, on the fifth was the anniversary of the birth of one of the greatest medical minds of all time. He was so great that he he applied uh, germ theory to medicine, and and up until this point, doctors when it, whenever they would go in between surgeries and stuff like that, they wouldn't wash their hands. Oh boy! And so this this guy with the one who said no, this this is this is not good. We should be keeping clean and he did all this stuff uh, with that and chances are the last time we went to the hospital for any kind of even even small surgery like an outpatient surgery chances are the reason why we're not dead is because of this guy <laughs> right. um that uh when, when people broke their legs prior to him people that broke their, broke their leg they usually cut them off uh, because that's how the, the state of healthcare uh, was uh they call this guy the father of modern surgery chances are you've got a product named after him in your in your uh in your bathroom called listerine oh yeah but 
most of us have never heard of a guy named Joseph Lister, and right. yet our lives are affected literally every day yeah. by what he'd done. And so anyway, all that to say that there's longing to be remembered, longing for fame, and yet when we look at these people who accomplish these great things, we don't remember them. Right. So and it's also fleeting. It's also, which is also yeah. fleeting, exactly. Right. And and so um, that, this is what I think the preacher is trying to get at in Ecclesiastes, that no matter how much time and effort um, we we place in the, in the getting things like, like things like getting remembered, it's just not going to work. Uh, but we're not without hope. I think that's how we're going to end our time tonight, uh, time today in, in just a few moments. But I think the last one that maybe in the last area of longing we might could talk about is this idea of justice. Mm. You know, we, we long for things to get better. There's, there's so much outrage and, and rightfully so a, a number of things in our society where we just look that's not right. Yeah. It, that's not good. Think things should be better. That well, even, and that's a, that's a part of a godly person's, um, calling and, and walk, right? Micah 6, 8, do, do justice, love mercy, mm-hmm. and walk humbly with your, with your God. And when we look at things that are amiss, we, we should long for them to be right. That's, a, that's an ethic, right? It's an oughtness. We see something and say, this ought to be different. It mm-hmm. ought to be better. And of course, um, that's just full of implications. Right, right. And so what do you, what do you think the, you know, we mentioned the previous episode on hope, what do you think the relationship is between long? Is there is there a connection between longing and hope? I think there there are two important connections. One, one is with with hope, and the other is happiness. In the sense of, uh, and I, I don't necessarily mean a shallow. Sometimes as Christians, we we categorize. Um, I ate a chicken sandwich at lunch today. It made me happy. That's how we use happy. And then when we talk about Christ, we use joy because we make this big, deep distinction. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think there's some importances to to that distinction. But I think happiness in the in the full meaning of the word what what things bring me delight, what things satisfy me. Um, I think there's a, a great deal of relationship between longing and what makes me happy. Um, so much so, just thinking about this quote, um, and it's funny, I actually, I actually ran across um, a quote from Pascal, all men seek happiness, this is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of some going to war and others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with different views. The will never takes the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves. Mm-hmm. We we long for happiness, and we do the things that we think are going to achieve that end, even if they're roundabout, and even if they contradict someone else's view. Um, and so I think that's an important thing for us to consider, that we we long for the things that give us joy. We long for the things that satisfy us deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then hope relates to that, secondly, um, because hope is just the things that we have not yet attained, um, or the things in in another sense, the things that have not been made manifest yet. And so um, in, in, as we said before, it's a, it's a deeper than a wishful thinking. Um, but this idea that I'm, I'm longing for the things that, um, that that matter to me, and so when you find what a person is longing for, you're putting your finger on the pulse of what their hope is. This is this is the thing that I'm living for, um, and so I think that's a an important relationship. Um, and of course, that, like I said before, is um, loaded with implications. And so um, 
when we think about this relationship between hope and happiness and joy and longing, it's a, it's a constant in the human condition. Mm-hmm. Everyone is longing for something. We have to ask what. Mm-hmm. Um, but even as we take apart these longings and things like justice, for example, it's fair to ask the question then, well, where, where did that longing come from? Right. What, why do you have this idea that something should or ought to be better or can be better? And so um, that really kind of moves us into uh, the way that Christians can leverage this idea of longing. We've been talking about all these different temporal kinds of longings, and I think you know maybe some of our listeners are thinking, yeah, okay, but wh- why are we talking about all those different things? And I think a good reason to talk about them is because Christians can leverage longing as an apologetic. Mm-hmm. And um, so what do you think about that? Yeah, there's a great uh, conversation to be had about, you know, where did this idea of longing, not an idea, where did this reality of longing come from? Uh, that, that, that's, a real, that's, a, that's a sincere question. You know, we, if we all deal with this, if it's ubiquitous and it's, and it, and it's present everywhere in society, and it certainly is in, in, in varying degree, of course, but it's, it's there, the, the question, you know, where do, do the desires come from? We have the desire, if we have this desire for something more, for, for fulfillment, uh, but yet we keep ultimately I think we're just grabbing at air. We 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 we're not able to get what we what we think we need or what we want. You know, we think maybe again a new job can it can be what we need and yet we get it. It's not it doesn't do it doesn't do the job, no pun intended. Uh you know, a new car, same thing. Maybe we get a spouse, we'll finally be happy, same thing. Uh new clothes, same thing. Um but uh, again, when when break, going back to, to Brady, when he said that he wishes he knew what else without was out there to fulfill him and to satisfy him, this is exactly what Ecclesiastes is getting. When, when it, the, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, yeah. when he says that God he put eternity into man's heart, so th- this is all going back to this idea that we're all dealing with this. What what's the next step? How do we process mm-hmm. that? And so I, you know, when we think about how to engage with this from a Christian perspective, I think one one thing we we could do is to what what other answers are out there? Right. Um, look, what are some of the alternatives? And so I think about one one alternative is to, to consider the uh, the atheist perspective on this, and, and atheism is the rejection of Christian claims and, and really all supernatural claims. Right. And so if if atheism is true, then there's no God to pray to, there's no God watching over you. You should simply enjoy your time here, uh, however long and or short it is, and, that, and that's it. You just enjoy the ride. And now most atheists today would say, I think, would say that you know during your time here, you can make the most out of it by being a good person and making the world a, a better place. Um, and I can certainly agree with that. I think that's a good thing we should do. We should sure. make the world a better place. But the question is, what does it mean for the world to be better? What does it mean to be a good person? How do we define mm-hmm. those terms? Because and those are really those, loaded terms. Those, yeah, where do they come from? That, 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 exactly. Those words carry a lot of baggage that require an explanation. You know, when we, when we say that something is good or something that is bad, we're implying there's a standard there by which we are referring to. So I'm a better bowler than you, or you're a better bowler than me to the extent that you bowl closer to 300 than I, than me. So if sure. you bowl 250, which I'm sure you do, and I bowl 50, then that means that you're a better bowler. And so we're, and if atheism is true, where does the standard come from? Where is the standard of 300, as it were, come from? Right. And I just don't see it there. And so if, if we're here by accident, as 
atheism effectively argues, there is no plan, there is no overarching purpose, like with a, like a capital P purpose to our lives. Then how do we, what, what is a 300 there in order to say that one state of affairs is good and this state of affairs is bad? Right. I should, I should don't see it. And so uh, I think that's not, a, that's not a sufficient answer. Uh, I think I had a lot of problems. And so um, when we think about the Christian response, I think we can, we can ultimately point people to, to Christ because ultimately our longing points us to Christ. Our longing drives us mm, to yeah. Christ because only in Christ can we be truly fulfilled. And I think one of the reasons for that is what Paul gets at in Colossians chapter one, where he says that we were we were created by Jesus, through Jesus, and for Jesus. That we were made to be in an active relationship with Christ. And so if you think about the idea of fame earlier, that we, we want people to know our name, well, Jesus does. We, we, we want to be mm. fulfilled in all these things that, that are created in the world. Well, ultimately, only Jesus can do that Yeah, in the way that we're looking for, anyways. Right. Yeah, and I think it's it's important to to make that distinction that longing longing is not bad, right? We, we're, we're familiar with um, Lewis talking about it's not that our, our desires are too too strong, but too too weak. We're too easily satisfied, mm-hmm. and that um, you know he says we're we're half hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. And he makes the comparison that it's to go on it's to go on making mud pies in a slum because you can't imagine what's meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. It's not that our longings are are bad in the sense that we have them. It's that they're it, it's that they're misplaced, mm-hmm. um, and they're and they're looking for something that will never satisfy. Piper had some really good thoughts about that as well. He says idolatry is not wanting happiness supremely. Idolatry is finding supreme happiness in anything other than God. Mm-hmm. And so again, bending happiness a little bit there to to think of it, it's our longing is that pursuit of what makes us satisfied or happy um and and to say yeah so it's it's not that my dissatisfaction is bad i mean certainly we should be content and satisfied but it, we should be content and satisfied in christ right and we can ask a lot of christ because he has so much to give right right and, and lewis said elsewhere in, in mere christianity that all of our longings ultimately are pointed to something greater than than the things themselves you know, we want food, we want all these other things, and, and ultimately they point it not to that, the, the thing in themselves, but rather something greater than, than themselves, which is Jesus himself. And so, we, you know, again, we, go, we long for things to be better. You mentioned justice earlier, and, and I think that that's what a lot of movies and really good art point us to, that, that um, so, so many popular movies and shows, I, I would imagine, uh, deal with this theme of good triumphing over evil. Mm-hmm. Because... It, it's something that appeals to us. That's a, again another question: Why did that right. appeal to us? But you know, you think about the Avengers. You know, it came out with the with the the End Game uh, past couple of years. You know, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man, he sacrifices himself to save his friends. Good over evil. Harry Potter, even Harry Potter ends um, uh, with Harry sacrificing himself to save his friends. Even Terminator Two with Arnold, <laughs> it ends with Terminator sacrificing himself to save. The kid, his friend. And so in, in each one of these movies, and so many other ones I'm, that I'm sure we could think of, it's this idea of good triumphing over evil. And I, and I don't think it's any coincidence that that storyline is something that resonates with so many people and um, is, is 
when you look at some of the most popular movies, it ha- that, that's one of the common themes. Well, I, I think we all recognize that we're longing for something more, but more so than that, because it's it's a truth. It's we find it all throughout God's Word, and and perhaps no more. Uh, strongly than um, when Paul writes in in Romans eight, uh, saying that it's not not only that, even creation is longing uh, for something that's greater than than what we see around us today. And um, it's verses nineteen and following of Romans eight: for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in the hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So this idea that even the world around us wants things to be better than the way that we see them around us now. And he goes on to say, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. And so we do long for something more. We do hope for something more. And ultimately, that longing points us to Christ. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Running the Race podcast. To find out more information about our church and ministry or for more episodes, be sure to visit our website, www.fbcg.net. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Podcast, a positive review would really help us out a lot. Thanks for doing that. And if you found the podcast to be interesting and helpful, recommending us to a friend or family member that you think would benefit from listening would be a great thing. We look forward to seeing you again next time. Once again, thanks, God bless, and goodbye for now.